Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going all right. It's like we're in the middle of like a cold snap here in northern Alberta, uh, about minus 25. It's supposed to get dipped down to like minus 30. Nice. So this is like the coldest part of the year, most miserable part of the year for northern Alberta. That's cold. why you're so slow. It's cooling your bones. You get, oh, man. Everything is in like hibernation mode. I'm trying to drive in the caffeine and the Nicorette and get things, you know, but this new workout program I'm on is is kicking the crap out of me man it's uh it's different and uh working out the whole body every day that's good though that was your new year's resolution it is yeah yeah they say in two weeks that you should get over that and uh protein synthesis should kick in and i should become a, a freaky monster so that's what we're nice. going for see what happens yeah, uh yeah. Here, my only complaint here is i turned off the ac for to record and now it's quite warm already because oh it's probably like twenty-five life. to thirty degrees here. Oh, uh, you poor thing, man! How, how, geez! If only yeah. I could pipe some of this uh, chilliness down your way. But pipelines are a bad thing, so pipelines are a bad thing. Yeah. All right. So we wanted to take a stab at talking about this whole Iran situation, which right. will be interesting for me because I know very little about it. But I think I want to hear your take. Yeah. And I also think the point of reference I do have is that I, Iran's been an issue for decades and the U.S. has never done much about it. That's that's my understanding, basically. Um, and that, you know, people are saying that Trump choosing to, you know, drone strike this guy, it's going to cause World War Three and it's. The U.S.'s fault, and it's as if Iran is innocent, which is just absurd to me as well. Um, but why don't you you lead us into it a bit deeper? Sure. Well, okay. This all kicked off when um, Trump uh, dropped a, a, a bomb on the head of uh, Soleimani, this uh, Iranian general, leader of the Quds force, uh, all around uh, pretty nasty guy from the sounds of it, killed uh, a lot of innocent people, as well as U.S. soldiers, although I'm not sure you could classify U.S. soldiers as innocent people. They are, after all, a kind of occupying and invading a country illegally <laughs> that never asked to be invaded. I mean, it'd be kind of like, uh, you know, Iran invading Canada or something like that. And then we have this, the the most bloodthirsty general uh, fighting the Iranians, who also happens to kill a bunch of innocents at the same time because he's just mm. a ruthless monster, and ruthless monsters are who generally do quite well in wartime, right? Yeah. Um, so so uh, he was definitely a bad guy. Um, now, why did he drop the bomb on the head of Soleimani? Well, we, we don't know all the details, right? So it's kind of hard to speculate, you know, the, the obviously... The mainstream media and the government are reporting that Soleimani was planning some attacks on on U.S. locations, yeah, uh, on U.S. forces or U.S. targets in the Middle East. Okay, so <laughs> again, they're where they shouldn't be, and of course, uh, you know, it's it's no problem for the U.S. to uh, invade all these countries. As soon as someone pushes back, that's people lose their mind. Mm. But okay, we. Let's assume that we want to avoid the U.S. troops getting attacked because, yeah, we do. We want them to withdraw. We want them to get out of there safely. We don't want them yeah. to be in harm's way. We want them to get out of other people's business and stop causing all this chaos over there. So let's bring them home. So, okay, 
fine, let's let's drop a bomb on him. Let's avoid these attacks. Let's prevent them. Uh, but, you know, of course, can you trust anything the government or the mainstream media says about anything? Like, show us the receipts. Show us the right. intelligence. Like, show us exactly, you know. And then, and then the other claim is that he was behind the uh, the storming of the the embassy in Baghdad, right? So you mm. remember there's this uh, Iraqi militia groups uh, and crowds gathered outside the the embassy, U.S. embassy, uh, the the biggest U.S. embassy in the world, by the way. So they invade this country, uh, kill, you know, leads to the death of half or, or half a million to a million innocents, uh, remove their uh, like just throw it into chaos, and then they build this <laughs> shrine to themselves in the middle of the the chaos yeah. they just created and then uh, you know are like surprised i guess when people <laughs> storm this place uh, anyways so but yes the these people were putting um embassy staff in harm's way and of course uh trump did the right thing by getting people out of there right away they sent, he sent in the forces and um got them so we didn't have a repeat of benghazi so that that was good but uh now they're saying that Soleimani was behind these militia groups and so mm -hmm. in what way is he behind them like that's the thing that we're not shown right and we everyone buys this stuff hook line and sinker they're skeptical of everything else the fake news says but when they say things that are justify what trump is doing of course it's the gospel truth all of a sudden right. um, so but how are they connected to these militia groups right i mean the u.s is also connected to those militia groups the u.s has been funding all these militia groups and isis as well which militia so groups? so how so are, are the u.s generals also responsible for the storming of the u.s embassy like the, the, it's very difficult to untangle and we we don't have yeah. all the details so we we can't really judge whether you know, that was wh whether there's any truth, like just show us the receipts, show us the the proof. And, and I mean, if anyone can take any of this stuff, like, I don't know how anyone could take any of this stuff seriously, like, or, or believe anything the media or the government says about this stuff. I mean, we, we just had the Afghan papers released in December, which shows that for over two decades, we've been lied to about Afghanistan, just like before that, we were lied to about WMDs in Iraq. So all the pretenses we've had for going to war, all the things that are happening over there, just one constant steady stream of lies to prop yeah. up America, uh, Amer the American empire, and, and specifically the military industrial uh, complex that wants endless wars. That's what they want. And now we're going to believe them on this one issue because mm -hmm. it makes Trump because it justifies Trump's action. Well, I'm sorry, I I take that with a healthy grain of skepticism. So I don't know. I, I don't know whether so is the correct answer, but I am highly skeptical of this. And of course, now we see the fallout of this. Iran, in order to save face, launched a missile strike into uh, into Iraq, and uh, you know it sounds like they targeted, like they they gave the u.s ample warning that there was going to be retaliation right because the last thing iran wants is to kill any u.s troops at this point because if it does it knows it's going to be facing the weight of the u.s uh, military uh yeah. coming down on its head right so, but they need to save face at the same time so what do they do they give the u.s all sorts of warning that they're going to be attacking some place you're not going to know where we're going to attack the u.s takes steps to protect its troops puts them in bunkers put them and then iran launches uh an attack on essentially 
empty air bases, no casualties. I think there was an Iraqi casualty or something like that, but there are no U.S. casualties, right, in, on the, in this base. Uh, and so now, like, everyone can save face. Trump got to look strong. Iraq got to look strong. And then I liked what Trump had to say at his uh, press conference the next day, which is, okay, uh, you know, our goal is not to escalate here. This is basically over. And, uh, you know, we made our point and that's it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so sound, it sounds like, okay, this, that, that's kind of what the best of what you could hope to hear from Trump uh, other than maybe like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to uh, pull out of Iraq finally, especially now that the Iraqi parliament wants us out, has voted yeah. to, you know, that would be great if you just, if we just left now. Um, okay. So, but in the yeah. meantime, while this missile attack is going on or shortly after in all the chaos and confusion, and of course, Iran is probably expecting you is on high alert and has an itchy trigger finger because you know, who knows what's uh, coming their way back from this missile strike they just launched. Um, a Ukrainian uh, a Ukrainian airline uh, loaded with Canadians gets uh, shot out of the sky with a missile um, in the, you know, in the dark of night uh, and in kind of the fog of war. We now have 63 Canadians dead. Okay. And so now, of course, the, the two sides of this are going back and forth. Uh, on was this Trump's fault? Uh, well, of course, and then the other side said, well, of course not. It's this evil regime's fault and, you know, blah, right. blah, blah. So that's where we're at. It's a bloody mess. And, and of course, this is how it, it's always a mess, right? So it, let, let's assume for a second that, that Soleimani is exactly as the media and the government are telling us he is. He's a monster who was mm -hmm. planning attacks on Americans. He's a monster who was behind this mob that was attacking the U.S. Embassy in, our, in Baghdad. Uh, well, his viewpoint would be that, well, the U.S. just attacked our positions in Syria. He just killed, the U.S. just killed a bunch of Iranians in Syria, a bunch of our forces. And and that was an unprovoked attack. And so now we're going to, you know, let our uh, displeasure be known. Right. And of course, the U.S. will say, well, the Iranians provoked us before that. That's why we had to fire on their positions. And it and it all goes back and, you know, you can follow this chain of they did this. So we have to do that all the way back to probably at least 1953 when uh, the CIA led a coup against the democratically elected liberal government of Iran. And, uh, you know, before that coup, Iran was a fairly liberal democracy. I mean, you can find pictures of people where women wearing bikinis. It looked like basically a Western, Western society. Uh, and, and, you know, they, the U S ousted and had, I think they had the, the president assassinated or something like that. And then a Shah and then installed a Shah to rule Iraq as essentially a dictatorship. And then, of course, the Shah was overthrown by an Islamic revolution because the people didn't like it and they went with the bad guys that were going to... And you had an even worse situation. Mm -hmm. And so now you have this extremist Islamic regime in there. So, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, I, again, this is just evidence of how meddling in other nations' affairs in screwing with their governments and their sovereignty leads to bad outcomes. 
Um, you know, we saw this in World War One. It wasn't until uh, North America entered World War One that, um, you know, it was it was World War One was going to essentially end in a, what amounted to a border skirmish. Um, you know, and, and if you remember, the the thing that launched World War One was the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand, and he was basically like 27th in line, like he was lower on the totem pole than a guy like uh, Soleimani was, way lower. And you know, that was just there was just enough tensions and and mm -hmm. disputes over land and this and that and grievances that that was enough to set an a chain of events in action that launched world war one. But when it wasn't, it, world war one was almost over. I mean, it was essentially going to end in a stalemate and, you know, borders might've been redrawn slightly, but then U S and Canada had to enter it. And now you just had the weight of this empire coming down on Germany. You had the treaty of Versailles and you set up all the conditions for like the Weimar Republic and, uh, and a guy like Hitler to rise in power. So Hitler arriving on the scene was, again, uh, you know, could be thought of as uh, an indirect result of um, for us getting our noses in where it shouldn't be belong. OK, and now you have World War Two and the mess that made. Right. So so I guess what I'm trying to say here is that on the one hand, you have people saying, OK, Soleimani is kind of like Hitler and this regime is like kind of like Hitler and, you know, we didn't sit around and wait for Hitler, but, you know, we kind of created Hitler in the first place in, in some ways. Right. Mm -hmm. And you could say that we kind of created, or at least the U S kind of created this Iranian regime in the first place through its foreign militarism and interventionism. Now the question so, is, well, do we have an obligation to clean up the mess? Right. We and from stemming back from 1953. And so that's my question is, what is the approach moving forward then? So, you know, I'd, I wouldn't have known it like the the idea that it goes back to 1953. I'd heard that really there was like in the 80s, Iran made a move against the U.S. Um, right. They attacked the embassy or whatever. Um, and then that is when the tensions really started with the af after the revolution. Um, but yeah, well, saying, that's okay, that, that's a what? convenient narrative for people that just want to believe that Iranian, I, I, Iran is just uh, the embodiment of evil. That that they have no legitimate grievances against the U.S. That they just hate us for our freedoms or whatever, right? And they yeah. here we are, the good guys of the world, you know, with military bases, never mind, in 170 countries all over the place, and like millions of people, whatever. Okay, okay so, so the, what? We're, we're, but anyways, go ahead. So the the situation is, you know, as it is now. What is the right policy moving forward? Because the idea is that you know, if they're actually threatening stuff, we should prevent it. We should prevent American deaths. The best right. way to do that, yes, is to bring everyone home. Um, but there is something to be said, I think, about a presence, you know, well, I think Israel would want an American presence. So there's going to be a presence there or should the U.S. not have one, even if Israel wanted one, because, um, you know, that's not our job. But aside from that, how, like, how do we move forward? Because yeah. this is the situation now. There are these tensions, um, you know. Uh, apparently the objectivist view of war is only go to war when you're attacked and if you're attacked destroy them like yeah. just eviscerate them and then leave like and that just then no one will attack right. you 
But I also want to highlight, I think, all, like I'm just not convinced by any of these claims that there will be a World War III. And maybe that's just me and my, like, maybe I'm delusional, but my, my belief is that everyone knows the world will destroy itself. Right. Like right. if we actually had a world war, it's not going to be we ship a bunch of troops and have a massive war like World War One and World War Two. It would be nukes. Right. There's no reason to not have nukes um, yeah. be used if there's an actual war uh, that people are serious about. So I just don't see that happening because I don't based on my understanding of all of the world leaders. None of them are that stupid. I could be wrong. But it doesn't seem like any are that stupid. So I rambled a little bit. But what are your yeah, thoughts no. on those kind of three avenues? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that you're right. There's not going to be a World War Three. I mean, the only plausible way a world like, you know, the U.S. would decimate Iran. Right. I mean, <clears throat> like, and Iran must know that. Like, there's no way they well, don't know they, that. Of course they do. Right. And these these uh, the, the, you know, Ayatollah Khomeini or whatever his name is, he he doesn't seem like he has a death wish, right? Like he's not right. a suicide bomber. In other words, you know, so the only thing that might launch World War III is if they felt like they, they're they going to die anyways. And so they might right. as well launch asymmetric attacks and, and like take out as many people with them as they can right. when they go down. But Trump- now That doesn't has, seem like it would be a world war to me because even that, well, although devastating, right, right. who's coming to the defense of Iran um, or yeah. like, and- if, yeah, it would only be, let's just destroy as much as we can while we're dead. But that wouldn't be, it would be a contained, like, bloodbath. Right. Yes. And uh, so, so the only, that's right. So, so that, that, you know, that if there was a war with Iran, um, it would be over pretty quickly. And I don't think nukes would probably be used. I, I think they would just take out the heads of state and it would be another Iraq, right? Yeah. So, We've, we'd take out and then maybe there'd be some kind of occupation and it would cost trillions to get us nowhere and that sort of thing, right? Um, but, you know, the, the thing that could plausibly cause World War III, but I don't think is likely to happen, is if Russia and uh, China get involved in this, right? Because they've, there's kind of been proxy wars going on in the Middle East as it is, like yeah. with Russia on one side and Syria and the U.S. on the other and, uh, you know, different things like that um so and and by the way like china has been trading freely with iran through this whole thing they're not respecting the u.s sanctions and this is actually why you remember we arrested a huawei executive in um right. in vancouver and that is all because of iran because huawei is trading with iran and mm. and so trudeau had her arrested on behalf of the united states um, because the United States was pissed that China is is defying them and doing free trade with Iran, right? That's the illegal thing that China was doing that this Huawei yeah. executive was doing, right? So this is all very tied in together, and and right. you know we can't we can't ignore the fact that the U.S. has imposed these sanctions on Iran, and generally generally that in and of itself is an act of war. I mean, if you, you could imagine if Iran imposed sanctions on us, right, put its warships around us and said anyone that trades with us is going to get bombed to shit. And, uh, you know, like <laughs> that that would be an act of war. Uh, so, you know, again, people need to understand, you know, understand these things, I guess. Um, but, 
you know, it's not likely that Russia and China is going to get it. Although part of me, the conspiracy mind in me was wondering if uh, like right now, this, this airline are going down in the Ukraine. It looks like it was just, uh, kind of an accident uh that that they they just had an itchy trigger figure they panicked they shot a target that they thought might have been something but another part of me thinks okay what would what would the iranian regime benefit from shooting down a ukrainian airliner right what would the benefit be to them uh you know because on one hand okay this this airplane was like what a few kilometers from the airport like they must have known that there are planes coming in and out out of this airport it seems to stretch credibility that they wouldn't have been able to <laughs> like, yeah, uh, unless they were severely panicked, unless there was a lot of confusion, unless everyone was scared shitless, which is also a possibility. Like it seems likely that they, they would have known or been able to check to see who was on these flights. So what yeah. if they purposely targeted this Ukrainian thing and targeted it because it was Ukrainian or something like that? Uh, right. What would the benefit be to Iran? Well, the benefit might be that, um, that then the Ukraine gets involved in the skirmish, right? And if the if you and you remember, Ukraine and Russia are at odds with each other. Yeah. And so this might be Iran's way of drawing Russia into the fight. Um, you know, because if they can draw Russia in, now they've got Russia behind them. If the U.S. threatens any more, uh, <laughs> any yeah. more aggressions or whatever. So I don't know. That that's just something that occurred to me. But let's assume, um, you know, so I, I don't think World War III is going to happen unless, you know, the, the Ukraine decides it's going to do something about this airline. That, that to me, seems like it could escalate things quite a bit. Um, yeah. But let's assume for a second, because the, the other question that emerges out of this that I was thinking about is, okay, what should Trudeau's response be? What should right, our country's response be ask. to these Canadians dying? And um, let's assume for a second that it's, as Iran says it is, that it was, or, or like, I, I don't even, I think right now they're still trying to <laughs> say it was mechanical failure, even though there's now a video, it looks like, of a missile hitting this airplane. Um, let, let's assume that it was manslaughter then, right? Not murder, not premeditated murder right. or something like that, right? So they, they did something that accidentally caused the death. Okay, well, I, Iran owes those Canadians reparations, right? They owe, owes the family reparations in some way, is my thinking. I don't think it's a good idea for Canada to go to war with Iran over these people. I don't see how throwing more bodies on top of the bodies already killed um, helps anyone. Yeah. But I think we can hold Iran accountable for this in some way and, what you know, demand reparations and, uh, you know, if those reparations aren't met, you know, maybe we do some kind of sanctions or tariffs or impose our own sanctions on them and say, look, we're going to uh, tax all the the goods coming in and pass that on to your, your consumers or something like that until uh, we feel like justice has been done for the families here. Mm. Um, you know, because the, these were brilliant Canadians. I mean, there was uh, doctors, psychologists, dentists, um, medical students. I mean, the, these were some of our best and brightest. I mean, these weren't Tim Horton's workers. Yeah, I mean, even that would be bad. But I mean, you know, that these these were the kind of migrants that even anti-immigrant people would like to see come to our country. Uh, right. They're they're benefiting our country by coming here. So you know, you know that that that's a big blow to Canada and a big blow to, of course, these families and stuff. So I, I would want to explore some of those avenues. And so, what do you? 
you know, there's this idea of it's Trump's fault that the plane got shot. Trump call, caused these Canadian deaths. And, you know, I find that pill a little hard to swallow because even on the premise you presented, it's not Trump's fault per se. It's American policy dating back 50 or more years. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it's Trump's fault, then it's actually Americanism's fault, right? Um, but what do you think about that? That, okay, yeah, Trump ordered this and they retaliated or they were high, they had a trigger finger because Trudeau didn't say it's not Trump's fault. And for me, for the prime minister to leave that open, maybe the U.S. president caused these deaths, that doesn't seem true to me. But I don't have right. the same framework of, you know, thinking that this is, dating back and it's the the history like no iran shot this plane down that's not the same as killing a general that you know maybe there was a good reason for yeah no i i you know i i think you're you're right i mean you know that there's it, I'll, I'll use the example of uh the two terrorists we attacks we had i think in 2012 in canada uh one was the storming the killing of uh uh, Nathan Cirillo, who was a, yeah. a soldier at the Cenotaph in at Parliament, and then the storming of Parliament, and then there was also shortly before that two uh, Canadian soldiers mowed down by a, a guy in a vehicle. Now, both of these guys were, from the sounds of it, Islamic extremists, um, and both of them say, I believe that say that they were motivated to do what they did by Canada's decision to uh, to bomb Libya to get involved in the Middle East. Okay, whose fault mm -hmm. were were those deaths? Well, I would say it's directly related to the two individuals that decided to take those lives. Right, they made the choice. They're they're legally accountable. But I would also say that this is one of the reasons why we libertarians oppose all these continuous foreign interventions because it's just human nature. You know, you're going to get blowback for it. Right. Right. And, and so, um, so, you know, that there's some responsibility, I think on the Canadian government to make the pre proper decisions and to understand that, that there's going to be these kind of negative consequences incurred by your citizens by you making these shitty ass decisions. Okay, right. so Trump made a shitty ass decision in my mind. I mean, um, you know, his generals laid out a bunch of different options for him. He chose that one. Um, okay, you could argue that, look, he was in a rock and a hard place. And, and you know, so I put less responsibility on him maybe than if, but, because he, he, he was just following the inertia of the military industrial complex. Like we're right. over there, we have these bases. I didn't put, you know, Trump didn't put those bases there. He didn't put America in those situations. But now that they're in those situations, he has to respond to the reality, right, of what's right. going on there. And, yeah, you can't just have this guy running all over the place in the Middle East creating havoc and not push back on it. And So, you know, maybe, you know, that you could put some responsibility on Trump. Like, it was a bad decision. Uh, you knew it was going to escalate things. You knew some innocents were going to die and maybe probably some... Uh, Troops are going to die. Um, but now, like, you what know, do you say of the, the idea that there was very few Americans, if any, on that 
flight if they did it on purpose do you think like canada's just a lame duck they know nothing matters if you kill canadians if they killed americans right. then it would be more escalation so it's like oh just some ukrainians and canadians who cares right yeah i mean obviously if there were americans on that flight you you can bet there would be some some payback coming from the states which is right. why mike this the conspiracy part of my mind thinks that they targeted that flight on purpose because they couldn't kill any Americans because that would bring the, but this one, this might draw the Ukraine in, into the situation, which might draw Russia into the situation, right? And Canada, and, and no they would, one cares Iran about. would probably love to have Russia in this situation right now because it would, you know. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it will be uh, interesting to, to see. Yeah, look, the, you know, to, to me, what's almost more scary than uh, a World War III or war with uh, U.S. going to war with Iran is just a continuation of, um, of these skirmishes in perpetuity in the Middle East, which are bound yeah. to happen, right? Like, I, what I really want to see from Trump right now is an exit strategy. How the hell are you going to get out of the Middle East? How are you going to drain the swamp? How are you going to pull the troops home? Like, how, how is that going to happen? Because as long as you're in there, this kind of crap is going to continue to happen. It's going to, like, there's going to be more American deaths. There's going to be more innocent deaths. Uh, there's going to be legitimate reasons on both sides to fire bullets and rockets at each other, right? And both sides, if you look at it through from their perspective, you can justify what they're doing, right? And so the path to peace is a difficult one because... You, you want to maintain this um, this perception of strength and don't mess with us and we're, we're not going to negotiate with terrorists and we're not going to back down and if you uh, if, if you take out one of our guys we're going to take out 10 of yours right you can't, it's very difficult to maintain that attitude and that that perception of strength uh, while you're pulling out and bad things are happening even as you're pulling out that you right. feel like you need to respond to. So, you know, at, you know, at the end of the day, like what has to happen, it's the same with like the economy in a lot of ways. Like the only way we're going to save this economy from complete collapse is to pull, like just to stop all this shit we're doing right now and pull out. Like, okay, right. we, we need to defund social security and Medicare and healthcare and all these things. Well, that's going to hurt a lot of people right off the bat. That's going to be very difficult to do. And so, you know, we'd rather just print a bunch of money and keep keep the the central bank printing press on, and and keep building up the bubble. I mean, the incentive if you're a politician is to is to keep things going because you don't want to be the guy. Yeah. When all the bad things happen because of a withdrawal from the situ shitty situation right. we're in, you don't want that tagged on you, even though that's the right thing to do, right? So the right thing right. to do to withdraw from this. Uh, giant economic bubble is to withdraw from this giant mil military industrial complex but when you do that there's going to be bad things happening and that's all going to be put on you but those bad things are going to be 10 times worse if we don't do it right it's, it's eventually just a build up of when it like yeah. america can't can't maintain this pace forever right they've, they've spent over five trillion dollars that that's over two trillion in direct costs for its military intervention over the past two decades but another Three, three trillion in uh, unfunded liabilities like veterans bills and all these kinds of other things that they're going to owe as a result of these wars. 
how how many more trillions of dollars can they spend on right. this? So I mean, it, it's, and it's to what end? Like, what are yeah, we gaining? What, what values yeah. do we get for this? These trillions of dollars? Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I don't know what the answer is, but I mean, like Ron Paul said, I mean, we march the troops over there. We can just turn them around and march them right back. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be the best and simplest. Is there going to be? <clears throat> Is there going to be chaos over there? When we, is there going to be a power vacuum? Yeah. Is there going to be shitty people fill that power power vacuum? Likely. Um, but and unless then we can also, from the safety of this side of the ocean, if the whoever steps to the top of that power struggle, if they attack us, we just bomb the shit out of them. Don't come right. after us. Like, I mean, and then just leave it. Even, Let them we fight. can't even win in Afghanistan, right? right? So Afghanistan is a bunch of goat herders, like poor goat herders, okay? Yeah. And they're just sitting there defending themselves in, in their own country. Now imagine the U.S. adopting, like how hard would it be to invade or take over the U.S., right? Right. So, you know, like war doesn't make us uh, wealthier. It makes us poorer. Uh, so let these people war with each other if they want to do that let them struggle right. for this power vacuum yeah pe innocent people are going to die it sucks it's not our government's job to get involved in these things when we do it makes us all poorer and it doesn't solve the problem over there in fact it makes it worse so let's just pull out and you know and sit here and uh you know resist the temptation to help these innocent people out or whatever i mean they use all sorts of excuses for going into war right like some i see some people while well, are you just gonna let innocent people die like what about the jews and hitler and then other people are like well they have wmds we can't let them use those WMDs. what if they're turned we got to fight them over there before they come over here like pick your excuse everyone has a different excuse for why why we're justified in being over there and none yeah. of them are the actual reason like the actual reason we're over there is to make military contractors rich and to uh, bolster uh, po political power for select few politicians who benefit from these things. So it's these elites that benefit. The rest of us are, including the poor people over there, are uh, paying the price for it. So we just need to turn that around. So I think there might be a an objection that it is actually the morality, those lame excuses as to why we're over there. There's a lot of people benefiting from it, but not necessarily the people benefiting are strong enough to have caused it and to perpetuate it without the fact that people think there's some duty to protect those people. There's some duty to, you know, right. be the lifeguard of the world. So well, I think this that is, what, is... This is the one good thing Chomsky has written about, right? Which is the manufacturing of consent. I mean, we, we like the people drumbeating for war, so they're anti-war. They elect Trump largely on an anti-war platform. But then as soon as Trump turns around and starts talking tough, yeah, let's go bomb them. Let's go to war. You yeah. know, like I was talking with my son who is going to university in Tiffin, uh, Ohio, and like all his friends are like ready to sign up and enlist and go fight Iran. OK, I, they're just excited about it. Th yeah. This is what happens, right? Like they, they're, they're just... The, the the propaganda people are empty instead. they need a cause right they right, need a, so right. this is a very clear cause it's they they have no idea what they want to do with their life and this is something to do with their life it's a purpose i'm yeah. going to save the They're world gonna, by killing people. iranians we're gonna fight right? people i mean this is the same thing we saw i mean there was propaganda in world war one you know that that got 
you know, all these Canadians and Americans to sign up and enlist and go fight battles that they had no business being in. Uh, It's the same with just about every war, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's that this is the thing, like until we become immune to propaganda and all the fake news, (laughs) um, these wars are probably going to continue because we're so easily swayed to uh, to support the stuff. And yeah. most of the people supporting it, you know, most of the armchair quarterbacks here that are cheerleading war will never enlist themselves. I mean, they're right. people warriors. They're, they wouldn't actually, if a draft, if the draft ever came to their house, they'd probably be hiding in the basement. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it's easy to talk tough and virtue signal in this day and age. And it's another yeah. thing to actually be sign up to be cannon fodder on the front line for a a useless cause, right? Right. All right. Thanks. All right. Hey, no problem.